All right, friends, um, we have been on a series on the Holy Spirit, the person, the ministry, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've been on this series since the Sunday after Easter. So I think this is probably somewhere around two months now. Today is our last message uh, ex- exclusively and explicitly on the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk with you about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us to dwell within us, to help us live the Christian life faithfully, to live the Christian life in the same manner that Jesus would live the Christian life today amidst all of the cultural hotspots, amidst all of the the trials and the hostility and the persecution and the pressure and the animosity like Jesus has sent us, the Holy Spirit, to be our advocate. And guys, we're, we're living in a real peculiar time of history. We are living in a real peculiar time. And it's not that other generations haven't had their challenges, but we're living in a time where we're called to steward the challenges culturally of the hour by the grace and by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. All morning long, and I can't quite put my finger on it, I shared this with first service as well. I didn't wake up this way, woke up really, really excited. And that's not that I'm not excited, but somewhere along the morning, a real heaviness, a real sobriety, a soberness kind of crept up within my inner man. And uh, I just sense that it's not time to do church as usual. Like we really need the person of the Holy Spirit. Like I cannot tell you all during worship, I was just like, God, fill me again with your spirit. I am desperate for the Holy Spirit. I need the wisdom and the nuance of the Holy Spirit. Earlier this week, I felt like the Lord just dropped this word into my heart. It was actually earlier this morning as I was getting ready to come and speak to the serve team this morning. And the word very simply was the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom for nuance. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom for nuance. And that is because the issues of the day, they're not just unilateral, single, single, singular dimension issues. Like even the most controversial issues that we feel a conviction about, that for most of us we might think this is so simple. They're not simple. They're very, they're intricate, they're complex. They touch, you know, massive parts of our society. Uh, Different people are interacting with the issues of the day in different ways. It's hitting them in different ways and in different places. And what we need is we need wisdom for nuance. Wisdom to understand uh, beneath the surface, down into the layers and down into how the wires get crossed up. Lord, give us wisdom for nuance for each of these issues. Give us wisdom for language. Give us wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded in James chapter 3, the scripture talks about how there is a wisdom that is below. It's a wisdom that belongs to the earth. And be careful things that you might assume are just common sense or that things that everybody should know that might be the wisdom that's from below. And the wisdom that's from below, the way that you know is that the fruit of that wisdom will be division. The fruit of that wisdom will be animosity. The fruit of that wisdom essentially will be death because the wisdom that is from below is actually rooted in pride and it's rooted in control and it's rooted in fear. It's rooted in my own rights. This morning, and again, a lot of this stuff is, it's not really scripted. I'm just, I'm just kind of 
kind of moving by my own spirit man right now. I've been, I've been chewing on so many responses to the decision that was made two days ago. And we're going to talk about that in our sermon today. We're going to pray into that. But a word that has come up over and over again that I'm beginning to see in so many different issues is the issue of my rights. My rights. And my rights is actually runs countercultural to the way of Christ. Christ calls us to lay down our rights. And what we need is we need the wisdom of God in this hour to know how to address issues that are hitting people on deeply, deeply personal levels. So today I want to talk about that here for a few minutes, and then we're going to, we're going to go into a little bit of a lab, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit give us immaculate wisdom for the complexity of the hour of our day. So let's pray together if you would, and please pray for me, and pray for this moment, and pray for our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit of the living God, I'm resting right now, God, on your promise that says that you will remind us of all things, and that you will lead us into all truth. I'm resting on the promise that said, Jesus, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to remind you everything I taught you. I'm resting on the promise that if any of you lacks wisdom, he or she needs only to ask, and it will be given. And that wisdom is the wisdom that is from above. It is the wisdom that is peaceable and submissive. It is the wisdom that leads to unity. It's the wisdom that makes irreconcilable differences reconcilable in God. It's the wisdom that recognizes, Lord, we need you. We need you. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I'm, I'm throwing myself on the grace and the wisdom and the peace of God. And I'm praying, Lord, today that all of us would do so. I'm asking that you would show us, that you would teach us, that you would model before us, Holy Spirit, how to live in this moment of history. And how we're called to steward this moment by the grace of God in a way that wins hearts, in a way that makes the kingdom of God winsome in a way that doesn't compromise things that are true, but, but yet, even so doing, we're able to, to, to posture and present things that are true in a way that people want to hear and they want to know the God that is revealed in Christ crucified. So I ask that you would open our hearts, I ask that you would open our minds, and I ask that you would speak, and your voice would be prominent above all. And I pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 14. And before we read this verse, let me give you a little bit of a backstory here on what's happening in John 14, 15, and 16. I don't want to assume anybody and everybody understands what's happening in these verses, but Jesus is having a special, I'm going to call it like a last moment of impartation. It's an intimate moment. He's sharing with his disciples around a dinner table, and he's teaching his disciples I believe to be the most important things right before he's about to lay his life down to be crucified for the sins of humanity. That's the backstory here. That's the context. It begins in John chapter 13 where Jesus shows them the posture of the Son of Man towards people. And he takes off his outer garment and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. It's this beautiful act of humility and servanthood and submission and then he tells his disciples this. He says, guys, in the same way that you've taken, you've seen your teacher take off his outer cloak and humble himself and wash your feet. He goes, that's the same posture that I'm sending you into the world. 
It's the same posture that you're to hold towards one another. This posture of submission and this posture of humility and this posture of serving one another by taking the role of the least of these. He goes, this is the manner into which I'm sending you into a hostile environment. And this is the spirit into which I'm sending you into the world. He then goes on in John 14, 15, and 16, and he begins to teach them. And he has three, what I think are the three points of his message. Number one, he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Up until this moment, the disciples have been walking with him for three years. He's been teaching them about the kingdom. He's been uh, displaying the power of the kingdom in miracles. He's been healing the sick. He's been raising the dead. And these disciples have been watching all of that. But up until this moment, Jesus hasn't really been talking exclusively or specifically about the Holy Spirit. And he turns and he shifts gears and he's talking to his disciples at this holy meal about the Holy Spirit. The second thing he talks about is that they're called to love one another. And you're going to see how these things all fold together. So I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the most important thing, if you guys don't remember anything else, he emphasizes this in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. The overarching message is, guys, I am calling you to love one another, which is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And then he sets all of this within the context of his third point, which is this. You're, going about, you're about to walk into trouble. You're about to walk into trouble. Things are going to get hot. Things are going to get hostile. And everything I'm telling you is to help you love one another by the power of the Holy Spirit and to do it understanding that you're going to go into a world that is against me and that is against you. That's John 14, 15, and 16. Look with me, if you would, at John 14, verse 16. Jesus says to his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another advocate, to help you and to be with you forever. Now, you have to put yourself in the disciples' shoes here. Up until this moment, the reason why Jesus says, I'm going to send you another advocate, is because Jesus was their primary advocate. And who needs another advocate as long as Jesus is here? I mean, like, they have got everything that they need. Imagine being in the disciples, and you're hanging out at Zacchaeus' house, and the Pharisees walk by, and they pull you out of your dinner, and they begin to assault you and accuse you and interrogate you. And Jesus steps in, and he begins to diffuse all of these assassination attempts by the Pharisees. Why is it? Because Jesus was their advocate. Jesus was the one that was called to cover them and defend them and protect them. When you think about advocates, one of the words that comes to my mind or one of the pictures that comes to my mind is someone who steps in on behalf of another person or another people group who are not able to defend themselves. There are people that are here in this room right here this morning that have served vocationally being a voice for children who are abused or who have been abandoned. They're an advocate for children because children, certain children have not been able to advocate for themselves. And Jesus has been the advocate for the disciples. Remember that moment when Jesus takes the disciples across, across the Sea of Galilee. And he's going because there is one person on the other side who is filled with the legion of demons. He's living in a Gentile territory, so already... It's inappropriate. It's against the law religiously that they're over there. And all the disciples, they're kind of freaking out. In fact, on the way over there, Jesus is asleep on the boat. 
and this massive demonic thunderstorm hits, and they feel like they're going to drown and die. And they wake Jesus up, and Jesus calms the storm because he's their advocate. Like when they feel powerless, when they feel like they're in a moment that is above them, that is overwhelming them, where they're in over their heads, Jesus is like, don't worry, guys, I've got this. And then the scripture says they were amazed and that they were in awe, that he even had authority over the weather. They get over to the other side, and there's this guy filled with demons. He's breaking chains off of himself. He's stripping his clothes off. He's cutting himself. He's howling. He's tormented. He's in torture by this, these demonic spirits. And Jesus comes in, and he advocates for this man, and he also covers the disciples, and he delivers this man. Why is it? Because Jesus was their advocate. In every situation, they didn't have to fear because they had Jesus. They had Jesus. It's like having, you know, that big brother or big sister who just steps in and takes those blows for you and covers you and protects you. And so Jesus says to his disciples, listen, guys, I know right now your soul is a little overwhelmed. I know that you're a little fearful about the uncertainty of what life is going to be like for you when I leave. But don't worry because I'm sending you another me. I'm sending you another advocate of the same type, of the same substance. In fact, it's going to be better because I've been limited in my ability to advocate for you by the bounds of time and space and this physical body. But the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to live within you. Look at the ways that this word advocate has been translated across multiple different translations of the scriptures. The word in the Greek is paraclete. It's actually a compound word that means the one who is called alongside. That's the literal definition of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who has been called alongside of you. The paraclete in Greek has been translated five different ways when you look at these loose dynamic translations all the way to literal translations. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find these five words. You're going to find advocate, helper, comforter, counselor, and intercessor. I'm just by, just by way of curiosity, how many of you, your Bible says advocate? You guys aren't even looking at your Bibles right now. Don't worry. We'll, we'll play that game another time. All right. Well, maybe some of you guys are. Advocate. How many of you, your Bible say helper? The helper. I'm going to send you the helper. Okay, very good. How about comforter? I'm going to send you the comforter. How about counselor? I'm going to send you the counselor. And then intercessor. Anybody's Bible say intercessor? Okay, it's, it's a nuance of this word paraclete. So if you look at these, we'll just unpack these very quickly. An advocate, obviously, again, someone who's called to stand up on behalf of someone who is not able to stand up for themselves, to champion the need and the cause of the defenseless. Are there moments in your life when you feel like you've lost your voice in God? Are there moments in your life where you feel like you don't know how to handle this? There is an advocate, someone who is championing God's cause for you on your behalf. Think about moments in your life when you've needed help, when you've needed someone to come alongside of you practically, physically, someone to take you to the airport at 4 a.m. when you've, for some ungodly reason, you scheduled a flight in Denver at 6. Someone who you need to watch your dogs when you're gone out of town for two or three weeks. Someone who you need to help you move. A couple of weeks ago, I... I, I saw that the youngs moved and they had this army of men help them move this piano up 
this flight of stairs. You know what that is? They were your advocate, bro. They helped you. They helped you. And that's the Holy Spirit. And there's no issue and there's no situation, there's no circumstance in life where he's unwilling to step in and help you and provide the aid and the assistance and the strength and the support that you need for that moment. The third word here, he's our advocate, he's our helper, he's our comforter. It's actually one of the points that we're going to talk about. He's our counselor. John 16, 13 is a, vo- is a verse that I lean on a lot in life. I actually prayed it. John 16, 13 says, but when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you. He will guide you into all truth, right? The role of a counselor is to help us by bringing guidance to us to help us live life in the way that we were called to live life, which is a life of flourishing. Thank God for godly counselors, both professional and just relational counselors in our lives that bring us a word of God or bring us a question that help us to unpack an issue, to help us unlock something, to see what is right and to see truth and to lean into that with confidence and with grace. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then the other word is... A paraclete is an intercessor, one who is called to stand in the gap and fight for you in the place of prayer on your behalf to God. So look at these definitions we wrote down. These are theological definitions that will help us understand the paraclete a little bit better. Number one, the paraclete is one who is called to one side or aid. Number two, the paraclete refers to the Holy Spirit who is called to lead us to a deeper knowledge of the truth. And one of the things that we need in this hour is we need more than a surface knowledge of the truth. Right? I'm, I'm afraid that in a lot of ways, we as Christians in this cultural tinderbox, we know just enough truth to get us in trouble. It's like we know just enough truth to offend a lot of people and to justify our own sense of self-righteousness. Right? And it's not, again, we need a deeper knowledge of the truth. Not so that we can deconstruct everyone and we can like assault everyone with our intellectual knowledge. I I remember this, there was this time in high school. It's a very embarrassing story. But I was going through this internship with my youth pastor at the time. And he had us memorizing these scriptures. And the scriptures were all about these, these fundamental verses on salvation. And I, guys, I'll never forget, again, this is so embarrassing, but I, I ended up kind of spontaneously, in the, in, right before class started, I had this conversation with another young man who was of a different religious persuasion, I'll put it that way. And the guy came at me, and you know what I did? I just assaulted him with a barrage of memory verses. And I said, well, what about this? Bam, what about this, 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 this? And man, he just looked at me. He was shell-shocked. You know what I did? I walked away, and I was so proud of that moment, but I lost his heart. I lost his heart. All relational inroads, all influence, all credibility to winning his heart over, to think a different way, to look at things a different way, they were gone. Because the way that I engaged him was a way that actually elevated myself instead of a way that elevated who the God who loves him is in that moment. The Holy Spirit's been called alongside of us to lead us into a deeper knowledge of the truth. But then the next part of this definition is that he is also called alongside of us to enable us to undergo trials and persecution. Now remember, 
the context here of John 14, 15, and 16, numerous times you'll find Jesus warn the disciples, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Like he starts that off in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, why would he tell them not to let their hearts be troubled unless after his death and resurrection, they're going to be walking into something that is going to cause them to re-examine their faith. The next definition here of the paraclete is one who has been called to plead another's cause before a judge. And what I want you to hear in that is I want you to hear a defense attorney. A defense attorney. Defense attorneys get bad raps because a lot of us, you know, in the culture, defense attorneys are seen as guys that are sticking up for bad people. But what about the people that were wrongfully accused? Uh, what about the people that are sitting in prison that for, for a crime they never committed, right? In that moment, we need defense attorneys. And there are moments in your life where the enemy's role, think about language here. The enemy is actually called the accuser. That's his name. His job is to stand before God and to accuse you by the law. Well, Steve didn't do that this week. John didn't do this this week. Right? Colin forgot to do that this week. Krista, Krista did this and she didn't, shouldn't have done that. All he does is just stands there and accuse and accuse and accuse. But the beautiful thing here is we have an advocate who is the most brilliant defense attorney in the cosmos who has been called to actually present a case before the Father that exonerates you on the basis of the blood of Jesus and on his death and on his resurrection. So let's talk about three simple ways that the Holy Spirit is our advocate in this day and in this hour. And they're actually found in these definitions. The first is this. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, comforts us in our affliction. The Holy Spirit has been sent to you to comfort us. It's one of the ways that he is our advocate, to comfort us. In our affliction. We're going to look at these verses again, John 14, verse 16. We're going to read all the way to 18. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. Then Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you guys. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Listen to the language. I'm not going to leave you as defenseless ones. I'm not going to leave you without covering. I'm not going to leave you without somebody strong to stand in the gap and be a voice for you and champion your cause. And then he says this, he goes, I will come to you. Now, again, remember, they're sitting here listening to Jesus, and all he shifted the dynamics of the conversation, and he's telling them over and over again, guys, I'm about to lay down my life. I'm the son of man, will be crucified. And they're thinking to themselves, their only paradigm is the man who has been with us, covering us for three years is going to go. And then he says, I will not leave you. I will come to you. How? In the person and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit comfort us? The Holy Spirit comforts us by being present to us. By being present to us. There's this phrase culturally, and I love it, but I think if we're not careful, the phrase can lose its power. And that phrase is, oh, I see you. I see you. 
Like we use it all the time now, right? Like, oh man, you put your foot in that meal. I see you. I see you. I see you got them skills. Like we just use this phrase for everything. Oh, I see you on the I see you, right? But here, listen, I want you to know that when we say that the Holy Spirit's called to comfort you, the Holy Spirit is called to be present, fully engaged with every moment of every situation of your life. Friend, the Holy Spirit sees you. And the Holy Spirit validates in your life the pain of the sorrow and the brokenness and the grief and loss and disappointment of life that you're walking through. There have been iterations throughout church, and particularly I think there have been iterations within the charismatic church where we didn't have a theological or a spiritual paradigm for people's pain. And consequently, I think what we've done is that we have, we've undermined the Holy Spirit's role to comfort people in their brokenness and loss. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm just going to lean into this. I, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to say today that for any of you who've experienced that, first and foremost, I want to say I'm so sorry that God has been portrayed to you in such a way that you have to deny the reality of the brokenness of your life in order to validate some kind of sense of, of faith or spirituality. Friends, that's not God. That's not God. One of the best things that we can have from God or from another human being when we're going through loss and disappointment sometimes is just have the steady, caring, quiet, non-judgmental presence of someone who will tend to us in that space. In that space. Yesterday... My poor kids, I hope they don't despise me someday for making them like all of my sermon illustrations. But <laughs> long story short, Duncan family was going out and uh, we were rewarding the kids for, for hard work uh, at the house. And, and one of my children, I will leave undisclosed, uh, did not quite participate with that opportunity to receive a reward. And so while the other kids were going inside to get their, their drink, their favorite drink, uh, this child in the Duncan family was just wrestling, just like, you know, arms folded, fighting back tears. Tears are streaming down. Teeth are clenched. And I look back. I said, oh, man, what's, what's going on? What's, he's like, I, I'm angry. I'm so angry right now. I'm so angry. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, are you angry at our decision? He goes, no, I'm angry at myself that I should have worked harder so that I could get a drink right now with everybody. And in that moment, don't you know that he didn't need to hear me go, that's right. That's right, you should have worked harder. Yeah, right? Finally, you know, in that moment, I just said, man, like, and I'm so sorry. And then one of the other siblings tried to crawl back into the back. This was hilarious. Tried to crawl back into the back. And he just said, I need some me space right now. I just need me space. Like, don't come back here. And guys, listen, that's just, listen, from an eight-year-old, now you're like, ah, you tell me. It's like one or two. Like, that's real talk, you guys. And some, like, we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to not only receive the comfort of God in our disappointment, in our shame, in our mistakes. Like, when you blow it, like, you don't need to hear the voice of the accuser. You need to have that abiding presence of the Holy Spirit to speak belief into you and to say, listen, listen, you've got this. We're going to get through this. You can do this. I'm at work in you. I'm sanctifying you. I'm strengthening you. I'm helping you. That's what we need to hear in that moment. Now, here's why. 
want you to, I want you to really get this, guys. Because you are called to pastor the culture in this moment. You are called to pastor the culture. God has assigned you uh, into certain social spheres. He has assigned you into certain vocational spheres right now. And it's not just to make a ton of money. And it's not just to fulfill your dreams or your purpose. God has assigned you into certain social circles because right now where it seems like everything is a cultural and moral landmine, God has put you there to pastor the culture. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is speaking here, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the language. He's the Father of compassion, and he's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Now, as I'm looking throughout the room, I'm, I'm thinking that there is a generation where to receive comfort, to receive comfort as a man, was to be considered soft or weak. Right? Stop crying. Stop crying. Boys don't cry. Real men don't cry. And you know what that's done? That has stunted an entire generation of men particularly, but even women, who then don't know how to be tender to the injustice and the brokenness of pain of their children or the people that are around them. And when we don't know how to receive the comfort of God, we will not know how to give comfort to the brokenness and the pain of the world around us. He is the God of all comfort, friends. God's never going to come to you and say, you should have known better. It's just not who he is. He's not going to fold his arms and say, stop crying. That's not who the God of the Bible is. But look, let, let's, let's keep reading here. He's the father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. Watch this, my favorite part. Who comforts us in all of our trouble. So first we find that he's the God of all comfort. And then he comforts us in all all trouble, which means that there is no situation that is so great that God is not able to comfort you and guide you and nurture you and cultivate you through. Also, there is no situation or circumstance that is so menial or trivial that it's not worth his time. Why? Because he's the God of all comfort who will comfort us, say it with me, in all trouble. You got relational trouble? You got financial trouble? You got vocational or occupational trouble right now? You got trouble within yourself? Like, what is it that you're wrestling through? Whatever that trouble is, here's the response of your advocate. I'm going to comfort you through all of it. I'm going to be a staying, steady, abiding voice that helps you get through this. And here's why. So that we can comfort those in any trouble. With what? With what? How are you going to comfort those right now that are just angry, that are angry at the decision of two days ago? How are you going to bring a, a voice of comfort to that people group? How are you going to bring a, a voice of comfort to people who are experiencing very real economic injustice right now? How are you going to bring that comfort? How are you going to bring comfort to someone who just got a doctor's report and they don't know how many days they have to live? How are you going to bring comfort? The scripture tells us that we comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that we receive from God. Friends, listen, this is, just, this is the economy of the kingdom. You cannot give what you have not received. 
And everything that we have in God, we have it because we have received it. So when Jesus sends his disciples out to go minister in Matthew chapter 10, here's what he tells them. Freely you have, so now freely, this is the Christian life. This is the, you can't give wisdom unless you've received it. You can't give strength, you can't give encouragement, you can't give power, you can't give joy, and you can't give comfort unless you have intentionally put yourself in a place out of your own brokenness, humility, desperation, and need where you say, God, I need this from you. Now I have a reservoir to give to those that are around me. You are called to pastor this culture in this hour, friends. The second way we find the Holy Spirit Working as an advocate in our lives is he is called to strengthen us in our adversity. The Holy Spirit has been assigned to you to strengthen you. There are moments in life, and I'm very, very sensitive and I'm very tender to this. There are moments in life when we actually take a look at what we believe. And there are moments when we, 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 we have to look at what we believe and say, do I really believe this? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And listen, God's not, God's not shook by that. God's not upset. God's not insecure about that. Oh, I hope they choose me. I hope they really choose me. I hope they know how good I know. And listen, listen, your faith, friends, will be tested. Jesus said this to the disciples over and over again. Look with me at John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26, there's two promises, and there's many, but I'm honing in on these two. There's two promises that he's given to us when we feel like our faith is failing because it's under fire or because we're just entertaining doubt or unbelief. This is what Jesus says in John 14. Verse 26, he says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you He'll remind you of everything that I have said to you. So what does the Holy Spirit do when we're under fire? What does the Holy Spirit do when we're experiencing adversity or persecution? The Holy Spirit has been assigned to teach us all things. To show us the inner wisdom of the ways of God. Let's just be honest. When you read throughout the Psalms, there are moments when the psalmists themselves were like, "This this is all whack. This is whack. This is not working. This is not working. Like the bad guys keep getting rich and the good guys keep getting oppressed. And if I had, if I had the range of language and it was appropriate, like I would show you like that feels vi- like it violates you. And we see that in the Psalms. The psalmists are like, this whole system is backwards. But then as they sit with that and as they wrestle through that and as they bring that honestly before God and they welcome the spirit of revelation, then all of a sudden they come back around and they go, oh, I see it now. Now I see. Now I see the wisdom of what you're doing. You're bigger than this and you're beyond this and you're working in the middle of this. And even though it seems like this is unfair, in the end, you're making all things new and you're working these things out and God strengthened me again and I praise you again. This is the journey of the Psalms. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit and he's gonna remind you because we forget. We forget. 
we forget the wisdom of the way of God. We forget the faithfulness of God. I love Jonathan this morning was saying, oh God, like remind us of how you've been at work in our lives. Why is that? Because we forget. Constantly forget he is the same God. The same God. And he's faithful. And he's at work. Even when, and especially when we're not aware of him working. And this is what Jesus is saying. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of everything that I've ever taught you. And he's going to remind you of everything I've done. He's going to bring it to your remembrance. But then the second thing he does is this. Look at what Jesus says in John 14, 27. Peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. And I give you a peace not as the world gives. What does that mean? Or the peace of the world, it's circumstantial. It's fleeting. Yeah. It's temporary. It's based on what's happening in the moment. If there's an absence of conflict, if everything's going my way, if I've got a promotion, if there's no argument with the family, then I experience some semblance of peace. Right? If I get to come home and walk in a door and I don't have to trip over all of these toys and the kids are actually at another friend's house so there's not a lot of ruckus in the house and I get to throw on a game and watch the abs win the finals, Whew. peace, peace, right? No, this is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying peace is not candles and aromatherapy and you know, endless hot stone massages and right, you know, pedicures and thank God for all that stuff. Right? May the Lord bless you. He's like, but... I'm giving you a peace that is substantive. I'm giving you a peace that actually anchors you right in the middle of the fire when it's the hottest. That's the peace that I'm leaving with you. And what is it? What is that peace? Well, it's just peace, Jade. No, 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 no. Right? Like, like get out of the realm of esoteric, you know, ambiguity. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's your peace. So when the Holy Spirit enters into your life, an eternal, unlimited, infinite reservoir of the peace of God has been deposited with inside of you. Tap into that. The advocate has been assigned to strengthen you in the midst of your adversity. And the final thing that I want to talk about today that's going to lead us into our time of prayer is that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to help you in your weaknesses, to help you in your weaknesses. So number one, he's been given to us to comfort us in our affliction. He's been assigned to us to strengthen us in our adversity. And the Holy Spirit's been given to us to help us in our weaknesses. I don't know why the four is on there. It should just be number three, but oh well. Um, <laughs> go with me to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse 22. We'll read 22, 23, then we'll jump over to 26. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Let me just pause right here because evangelical Christianity has not really done a good job over the past four or five decades of giving us some theology of the created order, right? We've like limited evangelical theology down to uh, Jesus died for my sins I'm going, to, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to get to go to heaven and abandon everything down here on earth, right? Listen, listen, that has been a limitation. It's been insufficient. It's been deficient. And what you need to understand is the moment in Genesis 3 
the moment that Adam and Eve violated the will of God, not only did that affect humanity, it affected the entire cosmos, the created order, the air that we breathe, the rivers and the streams and the lakes and the oceans and the trees that grow. All of that has been affected by our decision to violate the goodness of God. Now, let me just step over here for one second before I get, you know, crucified later. But we should be some of the greatest creation care advocates on the planet. Put politics aside and realize that God has given us a mandate to care for the created order. Okay, I'll, I'll step back over here and I'll, you know, I'll stay in my lane, all right? But look what happens when we sin, when we sin, when innocent blood is shed, the, the earth is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. Like, I, 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 need, you, I need you to feel that today, right? So, like, like, let's not just throw a word around words like Buffalo and Uvalde. Like, let's step into that and go, wait a minute, like, like, the created order is split. They're torn. It's, it's crying out, God, come quickly. Come. Come and heal the brokenness that your sons and daughters are complicit with in the created order. The other day I was talking with a missionary friend of mine who lives in an undisclosed part of the world. And he said, Pastor Jade, we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. We live in a place where people spend gobs of money to come. And to, it's a tourist destination. He says, and yet when I walk around, he says, and this is what he said. He says, we have made a mess of God's beautiful garden. But you look at these beautiful streams and rivers and lakes, and they're just overrun with plastic and chemicals. And he says, we've, just, we've screwed this up because our bad theology has consequences. And the created order is agonizing for new creation. And in the meantime, the created order is agonizing for the sons and daughters of God to be who we've been created to be, culture carriers and culture tenders. And then he goes on, he says this, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Look at verse 23. And not only so, but, but we ourselves are also groaning. Like you cannot ignore the groaning of the Holy Spirit inside of you, church. Because the groaning of the created order, married with the, the groaning of the Spirit of God inside of us, this is our ticket to access the heart of God. To access the heart of God. And this, I think, is what we need, perhaps, perhaps more than anything. We need the wisdom of God that is married with the heart of God for these complex issues of the day. One of the reasons why I think the church has lost its voice, we've lost our witness, we've lost our credibility because we've been so truth that we have completely lost the heart of God. I'm not saying don't be truth. I'm not, I'm not saying compromise morally. I'm not saying that we can't engage in issues that, that we should care about that relate to life and sexuality and family and wholeness, but I'm saying that when we approach those issues by, by strictly by truth, 
and we lose the heart that God has for people in these moments. I'm just here to tell you, like, we, we, we sever our credibility. We lose our witness. Listen, you cannot be angry with someone. You cannot hate someone and win them at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so what do we need, friends? We, we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Look at, look at Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26 says, and in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And I find myself saying, Holy Spirit, I, I don't know what to do with this gun reform stuff. Holy Spirit, I don't know, I don't know how to address over, over 60% of my friends that are on Facebook. Are, they are violently, vehemently opposed and ang- they're angry. They're verbally, vitriolically angry right now. And I'm like, God, I don't know how to enter into that space. I don't know what to say. I don't know. You can come on up, Jonathan. You know what I need? I need the Holy Spirit to help me in my weakness. I'm weak in this moment. I don't know how to parent. I don't know how to, I don't, I don't, I don't know what a single person needs in this hour. I, I don't know how to handle uh, this, this, this polarizing tension that's, that's pulling us apart from each other. God, I need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us in our weaknesses. Let's keep that verse up there. I want to read the rest of that verse, please. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Why? Because we do not know what we ought to pray for. Like in order for you to access the help of the Holy Spirit, you know what you need? You need to acknowledge that you don't know how to do this. You need to acknowledge that, church. I don't know how to pray for this. You guys have come forward. I don't know how, I don't know how to engage in a conversation that's going to end up in life. That's going to bring the wisdom of God into this moment. And listen, listen, you can read all the articles and you can, watch, you can listen to all of the, the pundits and you can watch all the interviews and you can engage and you can walk away like I did in high school feeling like you won and lose, lose someone's heart and lose their mind and, and lose, lose their openness to, to, to faith in God. God, we need the Holy, I don't even know how to pray in this hour, guys. And I'm telling you as a pastor who's been living all out faithfully for God, like all out, all of my chips on the table, 28 years of my life, meditating on scripture, reading theological treatises and God yet in this moment of history, I don't even know how to pray. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Let me just say this. I think this happens in a couple of ways. I think the Holy Spirit will actually give you words to pray in your native language. I believe he'll do that. But I also believe, and I see this all throughout the book of Acts, I believe the Holy Spirit will give you words to pray that are heavenly words. They are a heavenly language. They are not even your words. I believe that the gift of tongues has been made available to God's people to give us an ability to pray when life is so overwhelming and the tinderbox of cultural issues is so inflamed where we're like, God, I I need to pray in a language that is beyond me. Friends, that is the gift of tongues. And I may, you may have experienced negative things or uncontrollable things, or you might have, you might, you have seen other people, it's like turned you off. All I wanna do is I wanna put a seed of faith in your heart today to know that it's available, to know that it's powerful, to know that it's good, 
that it's wholesome, it's righteous, it's holy, it's necessary to help us pray the will of God and the heart of God. Friends, would you stand with me? Here's how I'd like for us to respond today. Number one, I'd like for us to respond personally. And I wanna give us some time just to say, Holy Spirit, will you be my advocate? Will you comfort me in my affliction? Will you strengthen me in my adversity? Will you help me in my weakness? Whatever that is for you, financially, business, there's some business leaders in here, you need the help of the Holy Spirit right now. And so would you just, in, in whatever way this looks like for you, would you respond to this message? Holy Spirit. Come on, church, let's lean in, let's pray. Holy Spirit, oh God, help me, strengthen me, comfort us today. Comfort us in our affliction, comfort us in our sorrow, comfort us in our loss, our disappointment, our grief. Holy Spirit of the living God, be present to us. Be the presence of God to us and with us. Holy Spirit of God, heal the brokenness of our emotions. Heal the brokenness of our mind, our shattered minds our hopeless souls. Holy Spirit of God, come and bring the comfort of God to us who comforts us in all of our troubles. Spirit of God, would you strengthen us right now, those of us that are experiencing adversity for being followers of Christ. Those of us who maybe feel like our faith is failing or it's on its last leg. Those of us who are frustrated with the church or evangelical Christianity and we find ourselves in this disoriented space, God, of frustration and confusion in our faith. Come, oh God, and strengthen us by your spirit. Help us in our weakness today, I pray. Now, friends, I, I want to ask that you help me pray for our, for our country right now. I ask that you, by the help of the Holy Spirit, that you would join me and help us praying for our nation. And this is very difficult. But one thing that I want to say right now, and I understand that both the things that I'm going to say, they're going to be attacked and they're going to be rebutted. And I'm just going to do the best I can to be faithful to what I think is, is the way of the kingdom right now in this moment. I think any moment when we see that laws of the land align themselves with the character and the nature and the law and the heart, the spirit of the law of God, I think that's worthy of rejoicing. I think there's something that is happening as a result of righteous laws that we don't even understand and the cascading effect of how that brings shalom and flourishing to humanity and the created order. Guys, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I think that we ought to respond and say, God, Thank you that laws are aligning themselves with the spirit of life. And in that same breath that I say that, I'm also going to say that every issue is complex and it's nuanced and that there are people right now today that do not see this as a good thing. And for some of you, you may see those people as your enemies. But however you see those people, I want you to know those are people created in the image of God that God loves. Months ago, when this was first leaked, that the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned, Pastor Brady came to his congregation pastors and he says, guys, I want us to be pastorally sensitive to this. I want us to be praying into and over this. And I also want us to realize that Colorado being an abortion legal state, we're gonna see a countless number 
of young ladies with their partners or their boyfriends or their husbands coming into our state. And these are opportunities for them to experience the kindness, the grace, the goodness, the love of God. That even on an atmosphere level, we can pray that when they enter into this state, that even though the laws don't align with the life of God, that, that they could come into contact with believers whose hearts are open to the reality of the struggle, to the conflict, to the, to the sense of hopelessness, to the sense of despair. God, I'm not making enough money. How can I raise this child? Just the sense of my, my family's against me. There's so many real human stories around what we might just look at as an issue. And what we need again, we need the Holy Spirit to help us pray the heart of God, the mind of God, the will of God. So friends, would you just, would you join me today as we pray for our country? Oh God, today, help us. Help us, oh God. Help us, Holy Spirit. Lord, I know that for the past five decades, there have been people that have been in prayer rooms, that have sat on steps of Supreme Court justices, that have been in in ecclesia gatherings, and they have cried out for justice for the unborn, and they've prayed for life, and they have devoted, some of them the best of 30 to 50 years of their life, praying that unborn children would live, and that it would be good and wholesome and godly and celebrated. And Lord, here on this moment, where federally this this law has been reversed. God, we put our trust in you right now. Lord, we put our trust in you that as the laws of our land align with the heart of the law of God, that good will come. But as we look around us, God, we're also reminded that right now, Lord, there, there is, there's pain and there's hostility and there's brokenness and anger and frustration around this. And I'm praying right now for every single person who does not see good in this, who feels like rights are being stripped and stolen, who feels like government is overreaching. God, I'm praying right now for every person that the Holy Spirit would draw near, that the comfort of God would comfort them in their affliction. That the strength of God, that the gospel of Jesus, that the perspective of the wisdom of God would come to every woman, to come to every man. I'm asking, oh God, that you would, you would teach the church, God, how to, how to live in this hour. God, that you would, you would show us that there is a way to not compromise truth but yet to be people who carry truth and steward truth in love, in grace, in patience, sometimes in silence. Oh God, show us when to speak and show us when to sit back. Help us be good listeners. God, help us to identify with the pain. God, help us to be Christ Jesus in these moments with these people, oh God. God, heal our land, I pray. Heal our land. Bring reconciliation to every broken fissure socially, racially, economically, sexually. God, heal our land, I pray, in this day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Friends, I want to invite you to the table, and I've got a real 
special and a real unique and specific way that I sense the Lord leading us to the table today. So I want to invite you to come, receive the body, receive the cup, and then we'll all enter into this together. I'm going to submit that we come to the table today. I'm going to ask that we reconcile with our enemies. That we reconcile with our enemies. Because this this place, this space, this is the space where God reconciled with his enemies. And right now, when you think about the issues of the hour, Like sometimes I'm so overwhelmed at just what it's going to require to understand the issue well enough to be able to speak to it wisely. But listen, I'm going to just cut through all of that. Whatever issue you find yourself believing in strongly, when you view the other person on the other side of that issue as your enemy, I want to remind you, you will never win someone's heart and hate them at the same time cannot consider someone to be an enemy and care about their eternal destiny at the same time. So right now in this room, there are some of you that that are for the protection of guns. And you're saying to yourself like, no man, this is wrong. This is government encroachment and every one of us should have a gun and the government's overreaching. And, And you're seeing the other people on the other side who want to reform and they're your enemy. And right now, I don't, I'm not going to speak to either of those issues. The issue of the hour is reconcile with your enemy in your heart because you cannot hear and you cannot sit with and you cannot love and you cannot listen to and you cannot be an agent of reconciliation for someone that you hate. Now on the other side of the coin, there are some of you in this room, you hate people that believe that that, that we should have guns that you're, you're, you're on the other side and you're saying, man, we, we should like lock this down and constrain it and those, they're the problem. And if that's you in this moment, I'm asking you to reconcile with your enemy. 
And I could, I could hit every one of these controversial issues. Because here, here's what I know, that we're, we're not gonna change a thing in this culture. We could, we could pray till we're blue in the face. But if we're carrying hatred in our heart towards our enemies, you can couch it in revival. You, 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 we, we could own the House and the Senate, whatever party that you identify with, and we will lose for the kingdom of God. We will lose. Because the way forward that God gave us was love your enemy. And it's impossible to do that without the Holy Spirit. You don't have it within you. I don't have it within me. There are some agendas that are happening in classrooms all across this country that infuriates me. But as long as I look at those people and I label them and stigmatize them, and as long as I hate them, I am not operating in the love of God, which means that I lose access to the wisdom of God. So right now, as you hold the body of Christ in your hand, friend, I'm gonna ask you to break this. And as you break this, I want you to be reminded today that there can be no reconciliation without brokenness. That Christ was broken to reconcile his enemies to God. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he says, this, this is your way forward. This is my body. It's broken for you. Let us take and let us eat today. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. It's given to you for the forgiveness of your sins. And the first word is, friends, if you're here today, God has forgiven you for anything and everything you have done or the things that you've not done. God has forgiven you. He has washed away the shame and the guilt and the filth. He's washed it off of your life. But I also want to say to you, he's forgiven your enemies. And that one's a little bit harder to swallow. Those people that you look at and you see them as enemies of God and enemies of your life, he's forgiven them. And God wants to be reconciled with your enemies. So let us take today the cup of the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, let's sing a song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Friends, as I send you out, I'm reminded of John 21, where Jesus says, in the same way that the Father sent me, in the same self-sacrificial way that Jesus was sent, in the same redemptive, missional, purposeful, serving way that Jesus was sent, he sends us into the world. And he said this to his disciples, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Friends, you don't defeat the spirit of the dragon with the spirit of the dragon. You defeat the spirit of the dragon with the spirit of the lamb. I'm not saying that you, 
you know, I'm not saying let's be passive, that we have to lay down, right, that we can't believe strongly. I'm saying the manner in which you engage must come in the spirit of the Lamb. In the name of Jesus, I bless you today, church. And I send you out into all the difficult conversations and all into all the hot spots. I send you out into the fray. I send you out right now as lambs among wolves. And I send you out in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit who is your advocate to comfort you in your affliction, to strengthen you in your adversity, and to help you in your weaknesses. May the Spirit of the Lord be with you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you guys. Bless you.